HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. I have a great guest joining me today, Jennifer Chavez. Jennifer is the President and Managing Director of Global Recruiters Network of Moon Valley. Global Recruiters of Moon Valley's expertise includes recruitment of executive and professionals across the United States in the RBM healthcare services and senior living industries in management, financial, operations, sales, and project management roles, as well as expertise in public speaking, consulting, and training services. As a senior health executive at CVS Health for more than 23 years across multiple sectors of the healthcare and pharmaceutical industry, she was responsible for leading client teams of all sizes and achieved significant success through developing and sourcing high-performing talent. Serving as a volunteer, Jennifer founded the Phoenix chapter of Next Up, formerly Network of Executive Women, led their logistics team and recruited and developed volunteers for the last 10 years. Jennifer also grew up working in the restaurant business and is the wife of a chef. She is also the granddaughter, daughter, niece, and mother of military veterans and has served as a champion for attracting, hiring, and retaining women and veterans throughout her career. As a result of her work across these disciplines, Jennifer understands how critical matching exceptional talent to amazing employers is. Her goal is to leverage her knowledge, expertise, and deep network to help candidates and companies achieve similar success with creating and retaining high-performing teams. Whether you're a company that needs help finding the right person for a tough-to-fill role or you're a candidate looking to find the right home, GRN Moon Valley is a maker of matches TM. Across the expertise to make a meaningful and lasting talent connection. GRN Moon Valley is a maker of matches TM has the expertise to make a meaningful and lasting talent connection. Jennifer, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. Thanks so much, Leanne. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so why don't we jump right in? Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. So first, I'll kind of start with uh, one of the unique things about me, and that's that I'm a second-generation Phoenix native. And I actually have two boys that are third generation natives. Um, so they're, they're 17 and 24. They keep me busy. Um, my husband, who is a chef, I've uh, been married to almost 30 years and we're huge foodies. So that's something we like to do in our spare time. And um, he's originally from California. So we have a place in the California mountains and we also have a place in, of course, the Arizona desert and we go between them. 
So I'm really lucky. I consider myself lucky. <laughs> yeah, well, that's amazing because what Arizona summers are, what what temperatures do you guys get to? Well, 120, 121, I think. It's right. the, the high. It gets a little crazy in summertime. So right. lower once in a while. It, it's so crazy. You know, obviously being Milwaukee, um, you know, Wisconsin weather, we all summer comes and we're all like, oh, let's spend every second outside. And for you guys, summer comes and you're like, oh, my God, don't go outside. You know, you're it. it it's, <laughs> it's the just, rest of the year when everyone else is inside that we're out. <laughs> right. Right. You guys are you have absolute beautiful. Of course. Of course. You know, I remember you know, and I have an aunt who lives in Arizona and I would come in the I would go visit her in the in the winter and she'd be outside wearing <laughs> and I used to make fun of her. She there was one year where my entire family who's not from Arizona, we went and visited her. Right. And we're all outside wearing T-shirts and shorts. And she had she had a fur coat on. <laughs> I'm like. What are you doing? And she's like, it's so, so cold. I'm like, it's like 70 degrees. And she's like, I know it's so cold. I'm like, oh, my God, this is. But you get a little too acclimated, maybe. <laughs> right. You, you get you get acclimated to your, you know, I'm sure that if you came and spent, you know, a week in in the tundra when we are in the deep, deep freeze, you'd be like, get me out of here <laughs> well i have family from minnesota so i've okay. been in the deep freeze in the tundra but i i try not to do it too often <laughs> right you go outside and instantly your nose hairs freeze because <laughs> did i just say that but it, yeah. it, it's a real <laughs> it thing it really happens it does you walk outside just the small amount of moisture in your nose and nasal passages and you're instantly like oh Oh, it's too cold. Must go inside. Must cover every piece of skin that is exposed. But yeah, no, and that's awesome. So you get to go to California during the uh, during the summer, I'm assuming. Um, yes, absolutely. So, yeah. so Jennifer, why don't we yes. go back to what you do for a living? We now know where you live, where you. Um, you know, go back and forth between California and Arizona. Let's talk about, you know, what do you do? What's your business? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking, Leanne. So after 23 years, a stellar career at CVS Health, I had a career pivot and um, had to really, you know, evaluate things and um, take some moments to soul search and figure out what did I want to do when I grew up? And I did that and I really decided to bet on myself and I bought a recruiting franchise. And really this is the culmination of what I've done over 23 years. I have been a leader at a Fortune 4 company. I have interviewed, hired, trained, recruited, mentored, led thousands and thousands of people. And I have so much passion for just helping people um, achieve and be their best. And so all of the aspects that come along with recruiting is really just everything that I absolutely love to do. So that's what I decided. Just I'd bet on myself and, and make that happen. And uh, it's been amazing. And I've met so many wonderful, amazing people. And I get to help people in a meaningful way every day. So it's great. That's awesome. That is that is absolutely awesome. Um, it is It is scary, though, 
to take that leap. So how did you finally decide? How did you finally decide I'm going to I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, wholeheartedly throw myself into entrepreneurship? Right. Well, I guess the best way to say it is that, um, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. And I truly believe that. And I think that had um, after my career pivot and I really was genuinely trying to say, what do I want to do in career 2.0 and and explore that? Um, You know, after 23 years, I really never saw myself being in that position. So I definitely was having a bit of an identity crisis and trying to figure that out. Like I've I've done this for almost 25 years. Oh my gosh, what do I do next? And so when I really took that moment to, um, to invest in myself and really soul search and think about what that is, it kind of came to me um, through two ways. First of all, when I was doing that and working towards those things and considering them, I was super excited. And um, it, there was a lot of, it was scary, but it was also fun. And when I thought about, you know, doing some of the things that I had done, you know, previously, it really just um, didn't feel like the right thing to do. So some of it was instinct, but very honestly, um, had I really gotten an excellent, great job in the time period when I was searching, I probably would have gone back. I, w- I mean, honestly, I w- it was fear. Fear was really like, I've done this for so long, you know, on somebody else's dime, doing it on my own. Can I do it? And I really had to, you know, dig deep in my resources of myself and say, I know I can do this. I've mm-hmm. got this. I've done it for them. I can do it for other people. And I had a lot of great encouragement from some wonderful friends and mentors who said, this is what you're born to do. Mm-hmm. You were meant to do this. This is absolutely your life's path. You need to be helping people in this way. So um, a confluence of those three things is really what led me to that decision. And I really feel like God probably had a hand in that. <laughs> Sometimes your prayers are answered by them not being answered. That's amazing. So <clears throat> Tell me a little bit about, um, well, actually, before we get into that, um, when you and I first spoke, I know that one of your, you know, passions, um, you know, first of all, you and I connected on so many different levels. Um, it, it was just an amazing, you know, first okay. meeting, first, con- you know, conversation. Um, but you had mentioned that you really focus on helping women, um, women yes. veterans um, transition into the civilian world. Yeah, I want to talk about that because it, it's Absolutely. it's so amazing because I, and the majority of the people who um, I have worked with who understand one veterans, um, right, and then understand the staffing and hiring world, have come to truly understand the difficulty that that exists with translating, you know, a military job yes into this the civilian world because you know when you talk about an mos the job title there yes doesn't exist right it doesn't no and so so many people get overlooked yes for for jobs Absolutely. And I will tell you that um, this really came to my attention very clearly um, because my son um, is in the military and he's a veteran now. But when he was in the military at the very same time, my company at the time, CVS, 
was doing training for their leaders. They, we had great diversity and inclusion programs and military was a huge focus. And I was part of our colleague resource group that supported military. I have a lot of military family members. Um, and even before I even knew my son was considering a military career, that was a whole left field decision for him that I wasn't expecting, but I was supportive of him doing it. And, you know, it's been a pretty amazing learning experience for me as an army mom and really, you know, at the same time, getting all of that training and understanding very clearly as a hiring leader at a very big company, what the huge gap was and why I didn't really understand why those things were difficult to translate mm -hmm. um, until I had experienced it myself. And so that really kind of clicked for me at the time, like, wow, there is really a lot of experience that get in the military that is really hard to translate into the civilian world and sometimes hard for people to understand if you haven't experienced it. Mm -hmm. The resiliency and the discipline and the, you know, so many wonderful leadership qualities that are just absolutely, that's the whole military program is, you know, that is all the training and everything that everybody gets for the entire military. And you might have a specialty, your MOS and things like that, that you learn a particular job, but that, and there's value in that too, but there's so much of, you know, what the military teaches that is just really awesome for business. Um, you know, how to be on time every day. <laughs> yeah, let's start there. Um, it's And I talk to people every day. So I talk to both um, individuals, candidates, and I talk to clients. And so it's they really need each other, women and veterans and, and those two things coming together. Um, it's just one of those things that I'm, I can see the need and I love helping people and I can help bridge that gap and bring people together. And when I do, it's amazing. And, you know, um, so I'm just super passionate about it. And I definitely seek out and promote and try to help as many people um, that I can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, something that you said in there, um, you know, how to be on time, how to how to show up and yeah. and show up in a manner that is appropriate to work. Right. You know, you can't just you can't can't just stumble in the door, you know, right. tired and, and, and non-productive and expect to ready for your day, right. Yeah. Ready for your day. You know, and I'm flashing back to the days where I was in my twenties where I'm like, yeah, well, I'm here. Why, why uh, I'm, what do you mean? I'm in trouble. I'm, I showed up today. It's like, well, you, you look like you rolled out of bed and you can barely keep your head, you know, up off your desk. That's not exactly showing up. You know, right. you're, you're physically here, but right. And that brings me, you know, to, uh, you know, um, a while ago, I was I was working with, um, an organization that helped men and women who were transitioning out of out of jail or out of oh, prison. Yeah. And right. that was yes. one of the things that they were teaching was how to set an alarm clock so that they could it's get out basic, of isn't it? Yeah. It, it is. But for somebody who's been in prison for, say, five years, they're institutionalized. They correct. everything is controlled for them. Correct. So you know, if you have a military 
you know, somebody who's in the middle, the idea of being late for them is not, it's not an option. Right. It's, that's not, that's not even, you, you can't. On time is just expected. Correct. There, there is yeah. no being late. Yeah. And, and punishment for being late in, in the military is, it's a big deal. Severe. <laughs> Correct. So the core values just instilled in, in, in a military personnel are through the roof compared to other individuals. But there is a learning curve when it comes yes. to working with somebody who is transitioning from military to yes. civilian world because the majority of unless you're in a high ranking position all of the job duties all of they are handed out you are told here is your job here is the end result here there is no there is no in between for that person to make decisions and that right. is that is what is difficult for companies to understand right right chain of command following orders and not using judgment yes there are times when the, in their jobs when they need to use judgment but from an assignment perspective they don't want them to they just want them to do exactly what they're told Right. And so it is, it definitely, those nuances are really important. And that's, so thank you so much for understanding that and for bringing it up and highlighting it. And we're going to be doing a training session in September and um, it's going to be actually on September 27th. And it is um, sponsored by myself as well as my partner in crime, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Kathy Galowitz. Um, she is a Vanguard veteran and leads women who lead that I'm a part of. And she's just amazing, but she's invited me to come help share my recruiting expertise um, with the audience and really help um, train people on onboarding, hiring, retaining veterans. Mm -hmm. And part of that is exactly what you talked about. It's what is the culture onboarding and ongoing process that you have to assimilate veterans into a civilian you know, kind of environment and, mm -hmm. and helping them make that transition successfully. And they are very adaptable and they can definitely learn, but they just need a little bit of help to make that transition. Mm -hmm. And so companies who really make the effort to do that can reap so many great rewards from it. And so um, I'm super excited about it. And we'll provide additional details on you know, how to get uh, tickets to the event. But um, I just am so passionate about being able to deliver this information um, to companies and individuals. Now, is so. this is this event live or is it um, virtual? How how? That's a great question. It's actually both. We're going to do it in person at okay. the Max Six Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and they have generously donated the space for us to be able to provide that. Um, and also, we are going to be um, doing that from a on an on online presence as well. So people okay. can attend online. Um, so it really opens up the ability for people to be able to attend. So right. if you want some in-person networking, um, come join us in person. If you'd like to be able to attend online, um, we will be doing that too. So right. um, September 27th from 8 to 11. Yeah, that's and that's awesome because again, you know, 
the the failure rate of veterans transitioning into roles is so high and that and and I I've I've asked so many people why is that why is it and and I get I get different answers um but one of the answers that always stands out is because it it comes down to um the fear fear it comes down to the company ends up fearing that they they don't want to um they're afraid of offending right that veteran like well right. i don't want to go to him and tell him you know you're supposed to be doing it this way because you know they served in the army they should or not arm they s- served in the military you know right. like I, I feel like if i'm it's almost like well just because they served doesn't right. mean they understand your job you have to train right. them just like any other person and in some cases even more because right. they've lived in a, an environment where there was no black you know there was no gray it was black right. and it was white right here are your instructions follow them to a t do not color outside the lines right period you're asking them to make independent decisions and that is not the lifestyle they've ever lived right so now you you know and and companies are like well yeah but if i go there and say well you got to do it differently am i going to offend this veteran who is you know such a an amazing human for doing what they have done and they should know better and no you're not going to offend do you offend the other employees when you go and say, hey, do this different? Right. You know, what's so interesting about that comment. Um, I've had a little bit of an aha moment as I've been working with Kathy. Part of the what we'll deliver um, to the attendees at the event is a checklist that kind of helps. Like, what are some of those things that you can do? Real practical solutions to put things in place. But I guess, you know, um, from that standpoint, you know, when you are asking uh, anybody, to your point, um, to do something at your company, what I learned when I read through the checklist was these are just best practices for any person. Mm -hmm. And so what works for any human being works for a military person. Mm -hmm. You have rules, you have guidelines, you have expectations, you communicate them to your team, and then you help them achieve their goals and expectations by being a great leader and helping them with resources. So that's really all it is. And I think um, it's just a lot of people don't know. And because they don't understand, I think it does lead to that fear. So I think you're right on. Right. And, but, and that's not unique to veterans. No, it isn't. It, it isn't. I mean, I think that the majority of our decision making comes down to a, a couple of things, fear, unknown, you know, the unknown, uncomfortableness, which all really falls into the same bucket. It all comes down to emotions on how is this going to make me feel? Am I going Mm -hmm. to make somebody else feel I mean, that it that's what it is, we're people. So it all Mm -hmm. comes down, it all boils down to emotion. And then of course, there's another bucket, which is the money bucket. How much is this going to, to cost me? And can I afford it? Um, yes. yes. I mean, there's not a whole ton of buckets on when it comes to decision making. There's right. I mean, it's pretty simple. What I, what I find fascinating about the human brain that I think a lot of people don't understand. Everyone thinks that you when you make decisions that you're ma- using logic. 
decision base is, is always emotion. Right. And so we just have to know that and know that if we're emotional creatures and, you know, you have to manage your emotions and you have to manage emotions in the workplace. And right. everybody's responsible for doing that for themselves. But as a leader, you have an extra responsibility to help people. And so all that's normal. That's just part of being human. So we just, you know, have to help each other out. Right. No, absolutely. I, you know, as a, a sales professional on top of, you know, my audience knows that I have now transitioned into being an entrepreneur myself, sales professional. Sure. I tell people constantly, you know, people do not buy on logic. As much as you try to explain to them, this is a really logic, like this is a logical decision. It's going to help your business. You're talking to a wall. You might as well be, you know, if they don't like you, they're not going to buy from you. They buy right. on emotion, justify on logic. Right. Exactly. Period. End of story. Exactly. If if same with, you know, you go to a clothing store, if you put something on that makes you feel beautiful, you are going to justify why you're spending that money, even if you don't have it. When you get up to that register, you're going to find a way to justify it. Well, I... I need it or I, I, you know, I have to have this because, you know, then you go home and your husband or your wife is like, what are you doing? Well, I had to buy it because. (laughs) No, you didn't. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right. It's, it's an emotional, why do you think that they put all of the, you know, candy and the, you know, the, the quick emotional, Ooh, chocolate. That'll make me feel happy. (laughs) It's right at the restaurant. Right. Anyways. Okay. I digress. Um, and, and I do all the time. <laughs> That's part of life. It's fun. Right. right. <laughs> Take side, side roads. <laughs> so you had mentioned another organization that you're part of lead. Uh, what, uh, I lost the name of it. Um, women who lead. Women who lead. Yes. Um, so tell yes. me, so, tell me about that. More about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Women Who Lead is um, sponsored by Vanguard Veteran, uh, my friend Kathy Gallowitz. And what its mission is, is really to equip civilians to support veterans, and specifically women in particular. And so this is a monthly meeting. It is free and it is virtual um, that really has different individuals that can come on and share some of the information that they have from their perspective um, to share with the audience. And as long as it supports the mission, um, there's all kinds of different topics that we talk about. So I'm actually gonna be presenting on September 13th at Women Who Lead. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna talk about leading yourself through transitions. And so it's really, it's for everybody, but um, really it is also specifically some tips and tricks in there for helping civilians on how they can support military individuals who are going through transition, whether they're coming out of the military, maybe their military spouse who's experiencing a transition or, um, you know, any number of other types of transitions and careers that people go through. Um, but it's really just a great group of people that get together and you know, share ideas and information about how to best help and support that community and get connected with other people who are like-minded and additional resources. And so um, anyway, it's uh, I can also share the information about how to get connected with that. If anybody would like to 
you know, check out the content and attend. Um, it's free and it's virtual and it's also in person. So if you're in the Phoenix area, they have uh, a monthly networking opportunity there as well. That's great. That's absolutely awesome. Um, and yeah. it's and and you said it's it's also virtual, so anybody can join online yes. and. That's yes. That's great. Yes. All you have to do is register, and um, they send you the link to um, dial in from Zoom and the information to attend in person. So it's your choice. Right. Well, that's great. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I want to refocus. Um, when you and I talked, um, you had mentioned um, something that I find well, I find wildly fascinating because, mm-hmm. again, sales. And it's not just sales that you have to, you know, do this in. There's many different fields that you have to do this in. But for me, it's, you know, sales. And and um, I'm like a a dog with a bone when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, But you had mentioned to me that you love to negotiate. Yes. I I'd I'd love like a negotiation battle with you because it's, (laughs) you know, it gets my heart pumping like, oh, okay, how can I? And again, not like in a, in a. I was going to say violent, but you know, I don't think there's violent <laughs> negotiation, but like in that, in that sport way of like, okay, how can I, you know, do the, yes, in that competitive nature, how can I do the best for my client if I'm negotiating on behalf of my client? And in the oh. recruiting industry, um, obviously my background in recruiting, one of the things I always used to explain to my candidates when, when working with them was, Hey, you know, tell me what your, what your base level, like I can make it if I'm making this much money. What is your, I would love to make, you know, this much is that's really a great number. What is your absolute, like, this would make my life fabulous. I could go on some extra vacations. And then I would say, look, the more money you make, the more money I make. Right. But I also have to do right by my clients. Right. And make sure that I'm not pricing you out of the market. And they're like, right. oh, okay. And when you explain that to them, all right. of a sudden they're like, oh, so you're not the enemy. You're not going to try to undercut me. Like, no, right. of course I'm not going to try to undercut you. I want right. you to make as much as you possibly can. But you also can't price yourself out of the market so that they immediately go to the other candidate and say, yeah, they're way, they're asking for way too much. Absolutely. And then it was like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so tell me about your negotiation itch. Yes. Um, so I have always loved to negotiate. My parents taught me from an early age to negotiate. Um, I'll explain a little. My mom was a yard sale queen and she absolutely loved yard sailing and she would take me with her. I was very little. And I remember the first negotiation I ever did was at a yard sale. And um, I had $2 of allowance money that I had to spend. And I had seen two things that I wanted. There was a book and there was this cute little yellow sundress with a little jacket. And I just wanted that dress so bad, but um, I didn't have enough money for both. So, and went to my mom and I was like, well, you know, showed them to her. And she goes, well, you have your allowance money. How much does it cost and how much do you have? And so I was like, not enough. She's like, well, why don't you go? She goes, the lady over there is running the yard. So why don't you go talk to her and just ask her maybe if she would take us for it? Like, well, how much should I offer her? 
she goes, well, how much do you have? <laughs> so anyway, I went and I talked to the woman. And so I tried to negotiate with her and I ended up um, getting not only the dress, but the book for my $2. So I learned an important lesson that day, Right. Uh, but it was, she made it, you know, fun. And it was an opportunity for me to learn in a pretty safe environment, but I kept practicing and, um, you know, my dad was also a used car salesman. So my first car, I negotiated on my own with his assistance. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm just, I've had that training and background. So that's kind of what spurred me to really just, I just do it without thinking about it all the time. Right. I negotiate everything uh, whenever I can, just mm -hmm. because I love it. Right. And it's fun. Most people think it's more like going to the dentist. And so what I've learned is that 20% um, of women don't negotiate anything ever yep. because they even feel that talking about it or even bringing it up is just not something they're comfortable doing. And so I just have a super passion for helping people understand all negotiating is, is talking to someone and coming to an agreement mutually for something that you both want. Right. That's and it. you know, it's so funny because, um, let me see, I was, I think I was 22 and um, I was driving down the highway. My car had been totaled and then rebuilt, uh, almost totaled. The front end had been, re been rebuilt and uh, <laughs> and I knew it wasn't going to last, um, but the insurance company wouldn't total it out. So I'm driving down the highway and my timing belt just broke. And yeah. instead of dropping at the bottom of the car, for some reason, it went up into the car. And if anybody knows anything about vehicles as they're listening to this, what happened was the car completely seized and the engine just basically, okay. I mean, everything just started, you know, water squirting out. And I'm like, the car is done. There is no coming back. And right. to try to go back to an insurance company, like this was probably a year and a half later, to try to go back and say, well, this was from the original accident would have been a nightmare. I didn't have the funds right. to go and fight it. I didn't have right. Well, right down the street from me, probably about a mile and a half down the street was a um was a Ford shop and I was driving a Ford. I owed two hundred and sixty three dollars and uh no two hundred and twenty three dollars and sixty three cents on that car. I quickly looked up how much I owed on the car. Right. Um so I called the, the dealership and I said can you come and tow my car to your dealership and they said yeah we can do that and I'm like thank you they gave me um because it was like right down the road and they were available they like they're like we're not gonna charge you for it and I was like excellent um basically they said we're not gonna charge you for it if you're gonna get it fixed here great I get there and I said you know what I'm not gonna fix it I'm gonna junk it and actually I'm not gonna junk it the sales guy came up to me and I said, I'd like to talk to you about buying a car. And he goes, oh, okay. And I said, and I'll do it today. But you have to give me $223.63 for my car. And he goes, that's a really specific number. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and he goes, why so specific? I said, because it's exactly what I owe for a car that will not drive sitting on your lot right now. And he goes, oh. Okay. He goes, what do you mean it won't drive? I said, the engine is seized. <laughs> right. I said, it is undrivable and it will never drive again. Right. I'm like, you basically have an engine block 
that is done. And he's like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I've had this happen before. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a lot of crappy cars. Oh, no. And he's like, well, we're going to have the guys look at it and see what we can do. And I'm like, what you can do is strip it and sell it for parts or use it for parts. Right. And he goes, well, I don't know if if they're going to if if they'll pay you that for your car that doesn't work. And I'm like, well, then I'll walk and I'll go buy a car somewhere else. And he goes, really? Over 200? And I said, yep, over that. (laughs) And he goes, the principle of the thing. (laughs) Exactly. It's it comes down to the principle of it. And I said, but in the meantime, I'm going to go look on your lot. And I'm going to find a car that I want. And I'm going to drive away with it today. If you agree to my terms. I found a car. um, I think they came down about two two or $3,000 on the sticker price. It was a brand new car. I mean, remember, this is years ago. Um, right. And he goes, okay, you know, we're, we're going to offer you the $223.63 for your car. I got my finance manager to agree to it. I'm doing quotes right now because right. the whole finance manager crap is just irritating. So... <laughs> Um, so, you know, now we're negotiating the price of the new car and I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay the sticker price, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we go over that. We go over that. We sit down and he goes, wow, you are really, really, really asking for a lot. And I said, I am not asking for a lot. Um, so we get to the whole negotiation part and he's like, okay, so are you ready to sign? And I said, I actually, not yet. I said, um, I know that you can throw in some free oil changes. And he goes, what? And I'm like, ah, come on, this is not my first time. I know I'm young, but this is not my first time borrowing a car. <laughs> I said, I bought this new car like three years ago. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, so, and I had worked at a dealership, by the way. I had worked at a car dealership. Oh, my goodness. So um, he goes, okay, fine, we'll throw in some free car washes. And I said, okay, so for a year to cover all my car, wa- or not car washes, oil changes. So for a year, he covered all my oil changes, got a whole bunch of tickets for that so I could bring it back and get my oil changes. And then as I'm signing all the papers, he goes, God, I feel like you're you're just basically robbing me blind. And I said, no, robbing you blind would say I would by robbing you blind. I would tell you that you need to take the Ford shirt off that you're wearing so I can (laughs) walk out this walk out with some swag from Ford. And he started laughing. Um, and he goes, I, I do have some swag. So I walked out of there with a brand new car. They paid off my other car. And he gave me some swag and oil changes. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And, Woman after my own heart. <laughs> right. And I mean, I was only like 20. I, I don't know. What year awesome. is that? That had to have been like 22, 23. And I remember when I got home, my dad goes, you, you bought a new car? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you should have let me come there. And I said, oh, no dad and I told my dad that story and he was like oh my god that's an awesome story Leanne I love it (laughs) and you know every time I've ever bought a car from now on you know I've always I've always because you know they do so many runarounds and and all you have to do to you know to them is hey I'm walking I'm gonna go across the street and buy a car over there but you, you know, just have to actually pick up your feet and, and leave. And then they come running after you. That's correct. <laughs> correct. And, and I've done it. I've walked out the door and I'm, I don't need this car. Well, nowadays <laughs> you kind you of might. do. <laughs> right. You, you might. But I mean, back then it was, I can go across the street. I can drive 15 minutes down the, and given that I've always had a really high credit score that, 
there's other people that don't have the you know luxury of having but yes sure. that was that was my first real hardcore like negotiating for and again i had inside knowledge i know how much commission they make on in new cars versus you know used cars which used cars way more commission at that time mm-hmm. you know it was just <laughs> so you had all the secret sauce <laughs> I, i've never been i've never been a woman who was who was shy to be like no i'm gonna see what i can get from the, you know out of this and so if you can imagine leanne every woman in the world doing what you and i just talked about negotiating their own car deals, Mm -hmm. not taking it when people give them a price, you know, try to negotiate down whatever you can. I mean, everybody is, you know, some things are negotiable and some things aren't, but it doesn't hurt to try. All I can say is no. My dad's favorite saying that he always taught me, and this is um, going to be the name of my book is find out what they won't take. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's everything. Well, Obviously, you can't walk into a store and be like, hey, I'll give you $25 for a $50 item, but, you know, the price right. is the price. But right. everybody will pay a price for something, and there's always a way to bring a price down if somebody is willing or somebody wants to sell something. Exactly. It, it's just, you just got to find the common ground. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. I I am 100% with you on that. Well, um, we are, no, we've got a little bit more time. So um, tell me about, let me see. So you've got uh, quite a few different groups that you support. Tell me about STEPS and WSN. Yeah, so those were the two initial groups, the women's leadership groups at CVS. STEPS was started on the retail side of the business, and WSN was the Women's Success Network, and that was on the pharmacy benefit management side of the business. And I was a leader in both, and I was responsible for bringing both groups together as one to have one integrated women's support network. So anyway, I've always just felt super passionate about helping other women. I have had a lot of super strong, wonderful female mentors in my life that have given me lots of great career advice and help along the way. And so I've always been very passionate about giving back. And um, being a part of those two organizations then led me to um, start Network of Executive Women which is um, something that I started in the Phoenix region with a couple of other really great ladies that worked for other major companies in the Phoenix area. And um, we started it and um, I led it for 10 years as a logistics officer. And um, I was a speaker for them and mentor. And so it just, it led me to a lot of really amazing things, just, you know, kind of following my passion and trying to help mentor other female leaders and uh, help them grow in their careers. Yeah. So that's and, been a long time passion. And what are the, the main types of roles that you place people in? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. My focus is largely, I have a few different areas of expertise. So healthcare and um, pharmacy benefits management, biopharma is really my, my main one. I spent 23 years in, in that area. Um, certified pharmacy technician and all kinds of experience there. 
Um, but I also, when I started this, um, went into senior living and, uh, that's really the same skill sets and uh, same profile for hiring for a lot of individuals in the healthcare industry and it's healthcare adjacent. Um, so I've, I've placed a lot of people in those areas. And then also my clients have been franchise owners. And so that kind of has led me and I'm a franchise, female franchise entrepreneur myself. So that's really also led me to really understanding how franchises work and really being able to specialize and help them from a recruiting perspective, because usually, especially when you're first starting, you are both working on the business and in the business as an individual owner. And then, you know, you may grow over time. Some people start off with more than that, but um, there's a pretty specific challenge to that. And so because I really understand that and and can help people in a lot of different ways from a recruiting perspective. Um, that's been really successful for me too. So those are my main three areas. And then I'll just throw in there that my husband is a chef and a general manager for his entire career. And we're a significant foodie. So I've spent a lot of time in the restaurant business. So nice. I have a lot of expertise there too. Awesome. <clears throat> so we are coming to time. I want to ask you the question of the season. Um, okay. What What do you think will go down in the history books um, from what has uh, what the world has experienced over the last three years? Well, uh, Leanne, I absolutely love that question, and I think the answer is AI, artificial intelligence. And I mean, there's a lot of things that have been really impactful, right? But I've just seen so much energy about artificial intelligence, especially recently, and I'm dabbling into it myself. Um, As you mentioned, from a sales perspective, you know, that's what I do all day. And so there's, especially for recruiting and sales, there's really a lot of applicability of some of the, you know, capabilities that artificial intelligence has. Um, And I know a lot of people, there's a lot of fear and things out there too, but I think it's probably like any other tool that we have we will learn more about it. It will, you know, mold and shape over time. But I just really feel like, you know, that I've been using it for applications, even like, okay, um, write me up a press release, chat GPT. What does that look like? I'm, I'm not a press release expert. I don't know what the format is and how to write them. I call it my virtual assistant. So Um, You know, just to do things that, you know, maybe we would have spent a lot of time doing that aren't value added so we can move up the ladder and be more strategic in the way that we spend our time. Um, And I really feel like that um, has a lot of help for business. And I don't think, you know, I know there's a lot of worry out there about it replacing people. Um, But I'm sure everyone thought, you know, probably when the internet came out or, you know, when monster.com came out, you know, that every, you know, humans were no longer going to be needed. But what I've learned over time is just that, you know, technology is really what you make it. And I think that, you know, you can use it for good or you could use it for not. But um, it, it does really help us. It has a lot of influence. So for me, history books, that's, that's my vote. Absolutely. So if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? If they want to reach me, my phone number is 623-387-8995. That's probably one of the easiest and most direct ways to reach me. I also have my email address is my first initial and my last name. So J Chavez, C-H-A, B as in Victor, E-Z, at G-R-N. And that stands for Global Recruiters Network. So grnmoonvalley.com. So jchavez at grnmoonvalley.com. 
Perfect. Jennifer, this has been such an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Absolutely, Leanne. You've been a wonderful host. And thank you so much for kindly inviting me and allowing to share my message. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.